This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. Jake, I know that you tried to come to America for a long, long time. What was the honeymoon phase like for you? Yes, my honeymoon phase, well, it, it was started um, because actually before I came here, I, I had a spine surgery. So my uh, American dream is, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not a guarantee yet that I can be here. But then luckily my, my orthopedic surgeon was giving me a go signal that you can migrate, you can still work as a nurse. So um, that's why I decided to um, continue processing my application because that time I put my application on hold after my uh, surgery. I rested for one year. And after one year, um, yeah, I spoke to my physician and then he said, okay, uh, you can you can work, but with minimal restrictions. So at that time, um, pandemics all started oh, back in 20 the early 2020. So um, he said, okay, uh, just be careful because so there's no vaccine yet. So I went to the U.S. and vaccinated. Uh, it, I took a risk mm -hmm. and the flight was even the longest flight that I had. It's like direct flight from Manila to New York and that was 16 hours. So when I came here, I was really tired. I got a jet lag and it took me... Um, seven days to recover, fully recovered. Cause I get, you know, I get dizzy the first two couple of days and I feel weird. And then all of a sudden I, it's still unbelievable. My feeling was like, I was really shocked. Well, am I really in the US? Because mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really impossible that I will be here. I had imagined I have spine surgery and knowing that I was in the retrogression back then 2008 and that waited me for, like 10 to 15 years to come here. And because that time I still don't have an NCLEX. And um, I took the NCLEX only back in 2018 in November. And then luckily I passed. So that makes it like a catalyst for a change. So probably I said to myself that, all right, maybe I have, I have uh, opportunities now for the U.S. And then um, when I came here, uh, I'm glad that my friends really supported me a lot, especially my, I had a classmate who lives in Albany. So she was the one who coordinated my transport from GFK to Albany. And imagine she waited me there for three to four hours at midnight. And then we arrived at Albany around 4 a.m. So that's really a sacrifice since, you know, uh, he spent, he, he utilized his free time just to wait, that, just to wait for me there. And when I arrived in um, Albany, I was said, oh, it's similar to a place called Southampton in the United Kingdom. So I said to myself, oh, this is not too bad. I could remember some place in the UK. And I noticed also when I came here that people are, you need to speak out, you need to be vocal, because if you don't be vocal, especially in the working place, they don't, they don't know what you're feeling, what you're thinking about. And um, as what my other 
Alma said that Americans are very frank. Yes, they are. And they don't, they are very individualistic, should I say. During my initial weeks of orientation, my preceptor don't discourage me to, to ask uh, the same questions at the same time or what. So she wanted me to be independent as fast as I can. Um, that's what I noticed. So I think because of the shortage of staff as well in the hospital, so that makes me, you know, shorten my orientation to even five days. So after five days, I was in the area already working. So it's very impossible not to ask questions because I'm new to the area. But, you know, these things happen. They are... They, they even ask you the question. Don't ask me the question. Don't ask me the. Don't ask me that question. I'm asking you. So it's like that. So I was said, all right, okay, okay. So what I did, I just um, asked uh, the other staff who are friendly to me or who can accommodate me to answer that question, because if I ask my preceptor, then that's what gonna happens. Then it's gonna be uh, negative, you know, negative to her or to him. So um, I experienced so many things as well on my first few months, especially in the cafeteria, since I am a rice person. So <laughs> there goes one day I was craving for rice and then they said, we only have French fries and chicken. I said, oh my God, so it's going to be like this every day. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing it right now. Chicken, the vegetables and fries every day. And since I... I don't know how to cook. I tried to. I watch YouTube, but it doesn't taste good. So I was thinking I'm going to waste my time and money. Might as just well buy some food in the cafeteria and just take take out. I mean, I, I just bring it at home. And that's what happens to me. I tried to ask my friends to teach me how to cook, maybe just some few Filipino stuff. But still, I didn't get, <laughs> you know, the taste. It's really horrible. So I am into sandwiches right now. I, I, I get used to this. You've changed, because, you've changed the way that you eat, James. Yes, yes. No, no, no. Actually, I'm used to this back in the UK. Okay. Used, used to this back in the UK days, but that was uh, five years ago. You know, when you're not used to it for a long time, so your body tends to, to adjust. Yeah, so you, yeah. my body is still craving for rice. So um, that's what happened as well. And also... And, and also, ma'am, yeah, and, and also I noticed here that Americans are very patriotic. That's what I noticed. I cannot see houses in the Philippines with flags. But when I arrived, oh, my God, it seems most of the houses have American flags. And I asked my, and I asked my, um, my classmates, are these people soldiers? Because I noticed, where are they, their flags in their houses? <laughs> so she was laughing. No, no, no. They're not soldiers, but they're just, you know, patriotic. That's why they have these flags, flags in their houses. So it was shocking for me at this at the same time. And it's so funny, Jake, because I think sometimes it's little things that can yes. trigger you, like not being able to get rice or that you see flags and you don't understand. Like, what's that? You know, what is that all about? Yes, yes. Jean, you've seen so many nurses come through to the United States. What have you seen some of the small things that can trigger people, that can, can make them feel homesick or feel culture shock? Or was there any that you experienced? I don't know. <laughs> like what Jake is saying, like for, for the rice thing. So I am also a rice people. So, but, and, and, 
Yeah, I don't know how to cook, but I have a, a, a husband who knows how to cook, so he cooks everything. So for Jake, probably, you can probably just buy the rice cooker because it's very easy yeah, to cook. Yes, 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 I had the rice cooker, that's what I did. And then I just buy some foods in the cafeteria, that's what I do every day now. Yeah. And you know what's so you know what's so interesting about immigrants? As I said, I'm an immigrant. Is people try for years and years and years to come to America. When they land in America after a few weeks, all they want is a little bit of something from home. It's just yes. such a funny Correct. human nature, you know, that that the first thing that you want to do is find like your ethnic foods or something that you relate to. And and after all these years of wanting to come to America, that's the first thing. Well, not the first thing, but one of the big things that happens when you arrive here. Chelsea, this is a question for you. And um, what are the dangers? What are the implications of culture shock? What can it lead to? Sure. I, I noticed that comment earlier as well. And actually, you know, taking that from a from an actual physiological perspective, um, high, high, high levels of stress. If the, you know, the transition and the adaptation process is a lot of stress on the family, you can actually go into fight or flight when our nervous system, you know, there's so much anxiety is it becomes dysregulated. And that can lead to a lot of the symptoms we talked about earlier, anxieties, depression, fatigue, irritability is one that absolutely happens. And so when, you know, we spoke about how some of those feelings are, are normal earlier and to say that they're normal, it doesn't mean they're comfortable, but they are, you know, normalizing them can make it feel a little bit less kind of overwhelming. But if those things, if we don't have community, if we don't reach out, if we don't kind of start to begin to feel comfortable or to get the rice cooker and feel a little bit more at home, then we can get into a state where our nervous system is really dysregulated. And that's when this becomes, starts to become, you know, potentially dangerous, potentially overwhelming, potentially going from being kind of some normal, uncomfortable feelings to being something that we would have to be, you know, pay more attention to. And especially in children, um, things like depression, things like anxiety, that is just a little outside of that kind of what is to be expected. Yeah. So there's certain symptoms to be aware of and some warning signals mm -hmm. as well. Um, and as you said, everybody goes through culture shock differently. For example, when I came here 21 years ago, I mean, I went through culture shock, but I think I adapted a lot easier than my husband. And mm -hmm. I always tell the story that my husband used to take his suitcases literally almost every week, put them on the bed and start packing. And he would say, I'm packing up. I'm going back to South Africa. I hate it here. I don't want to be here. His whole family was there. He really missed them. So we, we were a married couple, but we went through it differently. And he definitely was way more anxious and stressed. Um, and, you know, today he's the proudest American you'll ever find and loves it here. And this is, you know, he feels the best country in the world. But he really did experience, um, you know, a, a lot of very difficult times. And Tanya, you bring up yeah. a really good point in that your husband could verbalize that, right? Because he was an adult. So for children, if we're looking for things, you know, depending on their age, if they're not able to verbalize quite as much, then we're looking at things like temper tantrums or isolating or, you know, different behaviors and just being really mindful not to, you know, label these as bad behaviors or acting out because some children, depending on their age, are unable to verbalize how stressful and how hard these transitions are. So just kind yeah. of remembering not to, to punish them, so to speak, or to connect with their teachers if there's problems at school to kind of loop them into the conversation that this is not, you know, a misbehaved child, they're adapting to something. Yeah, that's a very good point. 
And and Chelsea, do you think, and I don't know for the rest of the panel, do you think maybe when a child is older, it can be more difficult? I mean, obviously it depends on the child. Tina, did you see that? I know you've seen a lot of nurses coming through with different ages, different children at different ages. Yes, I think the younger ones are more resilient. You can always turn it into a game that they're on this adventure, but the older kids are usually the ones that are affected more. So once you get into those um, eight, nine, 10 and older who've grown accustomed to their friends and things like that, those are the ones that tend to have a little bit of a of a harder time, especially when you hit the high school ages. They, they're trying to acclimate within their schools and just like you all were talking about pressure and um, and bullying, maybe even um, within within your own workplace, they're facing that depending on the diversity of the area, they're facing that at the school. So I know that these days communication with teachers is so much easier. So making sure that you are communicating with the teacher, um, it is very common to do so. So being an advocate for your for your kids is the most important thing to make sure that they're getting the resources that they need because schools now have counselors and social workers and people there to help help them through those adjustments so yeah okay so thank you for sharing that because i know tina's seen so many nurses that have come through with children of different ages and it's really interesting to see how they different people will adapt in different age groups rizza has a question for elma um, Elma, did you see a difference of Middle Eastern culture shock and then Western culture shock? Yes. Um, when I first came to the Middle East, I was fresh from the Philippines. So that was a big shock for me because not only was the culture very different, the language barrier was a big factor. Um, in the Middle East, their primary language is Arabic. Um, some of them speak English, but it's not the main language of the land. So I had a big, big adjustment, just being able to talk to people there. And then just coming to the, coming to U.S., I was thinking that, oh, um, growing up in the Philippines, we have a lot of American culture Im imbibed in our culture. So it's probably not going to be that big. And I know and understand English. So it's probably going to be easier, but it's not. It's in a different level of um, adjustment, I would say because people talk to you different, they approach you different. So I would say there's a different, there's mostly a big difference between the Middle East adjustment and the Western culture adjustment. <laughs> so having probably gone through a culture shock once makes you more resilient, but that doesn't mean to say the experience is gonna be the same. Oh, I see we've lost Jake. Um, and I think what happens with many nurses is that because we wait, they've waited such a long time to come to the United States, when they come to the United States and they experience culture shock, there's often a lot of shame. There's often a lot of not wanting to talk about it because it feels embarrassing and it feels uncomfortable. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I love Oprah and um, Oprah always talks about secrets make you sick. Chelsea, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really wonderful point that you bring up. And I think it, it goes back to the beginning of the conversation when we talk about the expectation and how this is a dream for so long. And so sometimes when we then get here and we start to encounter some of these things, perhaps we want to push those feelings down because we are ashamed of them. You know, we worked and fought for this for so long that then having those sensations come up can be uncomfortable. 
but processing it is really important. Um, you know, we, we have to feel it in order to kind of to move through it and remind ourselves that it may be uncomfortable, but it is normal. And that there are, you know, probably it might look different for every other nurse or individual who's also an immigrant, but they probably have some sort of ability to resonate with your experience and validate your experience and just reminding, you know, ourselves and our communities that we're not alone. Okay. So I, I think shame is, is something that's really important to speak about because a lot of nurses feel as you said, embarrassed and uncomfortable that they are feeling culture shock after all these years of trying to get here. Now, all of a sudden you get here and you're miserable. So you just feel embarrassed to say that. Um, Elma's smiling and nodding her head there. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second. There's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. Jake, I know that you've experienced culture shock when you went to the UK. Was that different to coming to the United States or was it kind of the same? Actually, it's similar. But uh, the only thing here, should I say the difference here, it's the this, this country is so big. So... Um, the only thing I notice here is, I mean, the transport system, you need to have a driver's license and you need to have a car because I, yeah, here the car is considered a necessity. In the UK, same with the Philippines, um, you don't need a car there. You can survive if you don't have a car because the UK, uh, their, their transport system is very good. We have a lot of trains, we have a lot of taxis and buses as well. Even if you live by the village, you still have buses running every hour. And we also have taxis. But where I am right, right now at the moment, I'm somewhere upstate in New York. There is no train station. Um, there's no taxis. And we only have a bus running at every hour. So uh, there's not quite a lot of transportation. And my location is far from where I live. If I walk from the hospital, it would take like 30 to 40 minutes walk. So... I, I, I would say the trans the car here is uh, vital and it's necessity. And uh, with regards to the attitudes of the English and American, they are similar because I would say that this this country is a British colony before. So I think um, they got their culture way back then, long, long time ago. So um, it's just that the, there are some words that are different in the UK, for instance, if we we call garbage in the UK as trash, I know garbage here, and we call it in the UK as bin. Yeah. So we call the lift as elevator here. So that's lift in the UK, and we call trousers in the UK as pants or jeans here. So I mean, you can understand, but it's just a different word. What uh, how they are using it. Yeah. So I was just amazed at how this. Um, English words get into this, uh, you know, different, <laughs> different uh, countries, how, how they're trying to use it. Uh, I, probably in Australia, you have different, um, uh, Montana, you have different um, words as well. Well, interesting enough, so I, I'm from South Africa, and South Africa oh, is a British colony. So yes. a lot of those words that you experience in the UK are the same in South Africa. So we would talk about the boot and not the trunk. 
um, and the cupboard, not the closet. I mean, I remember having one conversation when I first arrived here with a, a landlord for about 30 minutes and I was trying to explain to him about, I kept using the word cupboard because that's what we would use in South Africa and he was wanting, I, I should have said closet and we misunderstood each other and it was a very frustrating conversation for both of us for a very long time. So um, you bring up a good point here, Jake, and that is, how can people prepare to come to the United States? So whether it's learning the American colloquialisms or getting a driver's license, Jean, what are some of the practical things that people can try and prepare before they get here so that the culture shock is not so severe? Um, I think it's good to watch American movies. So by that, uh, you can see how the Americans live here, the way of life. And you can uh, compare that to how we live in the Philippines. So in that way, you would be, uh, you would know how how to go along or to live here like uh, peacefully or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that that's a very good one is to watch American movies because that definitely is very very helpful for you to just kind of learn the culture. Elma, what are some of the other things that nurses can do to prepare practically before they arrive here um, that you wish you'd known before? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, this is what I did, actually. Um, I'm a very visual person. So um, coming from the Middle East, which was, um, I was in the middle of the city full of buildings and public transportation. The town that I'm in now, it's a small town. There's no public transportation you need to drive. So I utilize Google Maps and Google Street View just to have an idea of how the whole place would look like. Because even, even the geographics of a place would affect you, I would say. And also read up about the weather. I'm in Oklahoma and the weather changes here every hour or even minutes mm -hmm. and i was in the middle east for 10 years it's just sunny and no clouds most of the time so read out read out about it and also um i always tell the nurses who asks me and um like sends me messages and questions what do you do to prepare when coming here um make sure like i said with the google maps I make sure that the hospital I'm working in, if I could see like nearby apartments, because driving was a very big factor for me. I didn't drive before coming here in the US. I was, I probably drove in the Middle East for three or six months only. So that was a big adjustment for me. And that made me anxious the most. <laughs> it's a good thing that my husband just keeps on uh, encouraging me that you can do it because this is just how America is. Driving, like Jake said, is a necessity here. It's not a luxury because in the Philippines, it's just, it's mostly a luxury, but here it's needed. So that's one thing that I would say, utilize Google Maps and Street View just to have, you have an idea of what the place would look like, read about the culture and what are like the food available. If you're very much into food like Jake and me as well, <laughs> Um, search about if um, like Asian Asian food stores that are available in the area, if that would make you comfortable and make you feel like a sense of home away from home. Um, mostly that's it. That's the things that helped me cope for the first three or four months being here. Those are very valuable tips. 
um, and things that maybe people didn't think of before, but, but really very much to do your research before. Um, you know, the one thing I think it was Chelsea or Christine or maybe both of you said is not to isolate yourself, to, to reach out to other people. So if you're like Elma and you're the first nurse who's going to a, a place um, where there aren't other international nurses, is to try and find people. I mean, that's where, you know, this is a virtual event where we're sharing information. There's so many virtual ways that you can reach out and try and find other people that are in that area. Tina, one of the biggest issues where, that a lot of nurses experience when they come to the United States that maybe they can prepare a little better for is on the financial side, is not coming with enough money. Can you, you've seen so many nurses come through to the United States. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes. So there, there are so many expenses that you probably don't even think about when you first come over. It's very important to save up money um, just so that you can feel comfortable when you get into an apartment. You're going to have to buy some furniture. Um, you're eventually going to want to buy a car and you're going to want to put some money down with that so that you're not um taking out a full loan. And it just depends on the situation and what you want to get into. But it is very important to prepare financially, um, save up. That's not meant to say that you need to spend it all when you get here. It's to have it on reserve for when you need to get stuff. So being frugal at the beginning um, and getting the necessities is what your first focus should be. Um, again, learn how to drive. That is very important. Um, if you don't know how to drive and you don't get a chance to learn beforehand, do what Alma said and Google the area. Look at where you're going to be staying. Maybe buy a bike until you can get to where you go. But um, again, depending on where you're at, I'm sure like Oklahoma, it's pretty cold right now. So you don't want to worry about that stuff. So um, maybe do your research on what plugs are needed. Um, all of those things are going to help make it easier into your transition. Um, Alma, you do not know what step, um, what big shoes you stepped into being the first nurse to come over, but so many people are going to be reliant on you and you're going to be an amazing uh, resource for them as well. So um, I'm excited to, to see where, where your journey takes you on that aspect. You're, oh, so right. you. yeah. you're, you're so right, <laughs> Tina, and, and, and you're being a resource for people right now. So mm -hmm. thank you to everybody who's on the panel because just sharing your stories is just so helpful. This was a really interesting conversation. Jean, I'd love you to share with everybody a little bit about what you're seeing happening in the hospitals right now because coming to the United States at, you know, at the best of times can be stressful and people can experience culture shock. But coming during a pandemic can be even more stressful because it, 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 it colors the whole process and adds a whole nother layer of complexity to an already complex situation. Um, and many of the hospitals and healthcare facilities in the United States right now are short of staff. This is not just one facility. Almost every, I think every hospital or nursing home or rehab facility is short of staff right now. They don't have the time. They don't have the bandwidth that they would normally have at any normal, and I say normal time, not, you know, a time not being in the pandemic, which makes culture shock more difficult. Jean, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the hospitals right now? So right now, I think the COVID cases are uh, minimized already. Like uh, there's not a lot of cases, but uh, during during the peak season, like March of 2000, 2021, there are a lot we really have a lot of cases so when when you come here right now i hope you already have 
the vaccines, the full, the, the two doses of the vaccines, either Pfizer or the Sinovac. I think it is it is fine to have, but at least you are already vaccinated. So some of the hospitals right now won't even hire you if you are not vaccinated. So you have to be vaccinated. And then this, uh, so the the cases of Omicron uh, COVID right now is, I think we have, we have a lot of cases also, but not as much as when, when uh, last year's, last year's uh, COVID cases, but I see a lot. I see maybe in a, in a night, maybe ten or twenty cases of Omicron cases of COVID right now. So it is very important also that you need to learn. You have to be. You have to proper like hand washing or the PPE, especially if you will be working in the COVID area. So right now the staffing issue, the staffing issues. Uh, there are a lot of hospitals who are hiring agency nurses. So most of the nurses who are NPs to be uh, like they they went into travel nursing because travel nursing offers them a big salary, like nine thousand in a week. So most of the hospitals are short staff, and probably you will be experiencing that you will be taking care of like five to six to seven uh, patients in one nurse ratio if the hospitals are so short-staffed. So maybe you have to deal with that for, for quite some time now. Yeah, it's not an easy time right now. We're hopeful that things are going to improve, but they really, the hospitals, I mean, I've been doing this for 15 years. The hospitals are more under stress now than they have ever been. Um, and that means that culture shock is, it might be a little bit, even more difficult for many nurses because a lot of the hospitals don't have the time or the bandwidth to give as much help as they would like to international nurses who've got that, that bridge training that's going to be needed. Um, we have a, a graphic about just tips to prevent culture shock. Chelsea, do you want to maybe take us through those tips? Sure. Yeah. Another, another great graphic. So, you know, we've spoken about this quite a bit. So understanding that this is, this is common on normal experience. We felt less overwhelmed by that. Um, accepting not only the differences, but also kind of like we touched on a little bit earlier, accepting that there is a transition period, you know, allowing ourselves to, to feel that. And especially, you know, acknowledge those feelings in our family members and children have them. Being open-minded, certainly very important. Things are going to look really different um, and different is, can be uncomfortable sometimes, but it's not necessarily always bad. So keeping an open mind, positive attitude is going to take us a long way. Not to say we want to be, you know, toxically positive. We want to hold space for, for the tough times, but also keeping that open mind, staying positive, um, focus on positive aspects rather than negative aspects. Staying in touch with home is so important. So, you know, keeping in contact with friends and family um, for kids, maybe even younger kids, uh, setting up even something like setting their room up in the same way as home or different items, transitional items can be really, really helpful for younger kids to keep 
a sense of stability, a sense of kind of like continuity from home and finding gratitude in daily life. Um, you know, as a therapist, I tell all my clients to have gratitude journals that can sometimes at first feel a little bit silly, but it's just taking those moments either independently or as a family at the end of the day, you can still acknowledge maybe the tough moments, but take a few minutes. You can make a gratitude jar. It can be fun with kids. So you can decorate it. And then everyone, you know, colorful pieces of paper, write down one or two things, you know, every day that, that we feel grateful for in the new area. Well, we are, we are grateful for this conversation. Um, and in fact, at Kinetics, we actually give the nurse, our nurses a gratitude journal when they, um, when they arrive. This is something that just helped me personally, because I think when you are expressing gratitude, it just puts your headspace in a, in a much more positive frame of light. And um, it just helps you to, to see the, the blessings. So even though you're going through that dip, even though you're going through that culture shock, you know that there's, a, there's hope, there's a road at the end of it, and everybody will get through it. So it kind of puts it in perspective. Well, we are out of time. This was such a fun conversation. I think it's a really important conversation. So I want to thank the panel that um, have shared their experiences and their pointers and their tips and their observations for all the nurses who've been watching. And we are excited for you to come to America. And now if you do experience Culture Shark, you will know all about it and know how to overcome it. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.